With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome back, Crimeaholics. It's your host, Holly. I hope that wherever you are today in the world that you have an amazing day. This last week has been incredibly crazy for me. And if you don't follow me on Instagram, you probably missed it, but I've been dealing with some dog issues. Seeing how I have this public platform, I actually want to quickly tell you guys about it just to kind of give you a little bit of a warning for other pet owners that there are some dangers out there in the toy world for our dogs. And the toys that I'm talking about are not dog toys, they're actually kid toys. Over the Easter weekend, my two boys and I attended an Easter egg hunt, and one of the prizes that my son got was this little squishy animal toy. And it was a cute little chicken that my son actually named Chickapee. Well, apparently, my three-year-old golden doodle felt the need to eat Chickapee, and he ended up swallowing the toy sometime on Saturday night. All of Easter Sunday, he was puking, but he was puking up chunks of a bouncy ball that he apparently ate as well. I figured it wasn't just sitting right with him and that he just needed to get it all out, but come late Sunday night into the early morning hours of Monday, my dog was just not acting right. Fast forward all the bad details, I took him to the vet as soon as they opened and thankfully they were able to squeeze me in. But long story short, the squishy toy was stuck in his lower intestine and it had perforated it. My dog had to undergo emergency surgery on Monday afternoon, and the following two days after that, I had to take him back and forth to the vet for fluids. Finally, on Thursday, he was able to stay at home with me, and at this point in time, he seems to be doing so much better, but it was a really risky surgery, they said, and it was a very huge surgery for him. So moral of this quick story is please, please, please be careful with those little squishy toys that our kiddos are getting. They seem to be super popular right now. My son loves them, but they are no longer allowed in the house. This is apparently a common thing also that dogs have been doing, and a lot of people have lost their fur babies because of it. So switching gears. That was my public little PSA for the day. Today is Monday, so that means another Missing Monday. If you're new to the podcast, Missing Mondays is a segment that was created to help keep missing persons' name and information in the media the best we can and to hopefully help aid in their return home. 90,000 people are missing in the U.S. at any given time, and while some are found alive or deceased, the majority are still missing today. Our goal with Missing Mondays is not only to continue to help share this information, but to also let families know that their loved one is not forgotten. 
After the hype of these missing persons cases dies down, the families often feel alone and forgotten. But to us at Crimeaholics and all of you guys, our listeners, their loved one's story matters, and we will continue to share their names until they are brought home. Today's missing Monday case is on the disappearance of Tiara Williams. Tiara Williams was born on June 18, 1996, and when Tiara was seven years old, her parents' marriage ended in divorce, and she and her younger brother, Cannon, moved into a new home with their mother, Danielle. Tiara had an extremely close relationship with her family. She helped her mom with a lot of things, including taking care of her brother, and she had a great bond with not only her mom, but her grandmother as well. I will say that I'm unsure what her relationship was like with her father after the split between her parents, but in the articles and interviews that I watched, he was never mentioned, nor was he part of any of the interviews, so I'm not really sure if their relationship continued. But overall, everyone described her as someone who was extremely friendly. She was outgoing, she had a kind heart, she was caring, and she was just an all-around very happy person. She did well in high school, and she dated a handful of guys and had a lot of friends. Overall, she was a really good kid. But as most teenagers do, they also want freedom from their parents. They want freedom to make their own choices, and Tiara was no different. Her mom, on the other hand, wanted what was best for her daughter, as I think any mom can relate to. And even though they had this close relationship, she made sure to keep tabs on what Tiara was doing with her social medias and texting and all of the above. She was very protective of her, and again, she just wanted the absolute best. However, to Tiara, her mother was a little overbearing at times. Danielle made it a requirement that if her daughter was going to have Facebook, she had to give her mom the password and login information so that her mom could see who Tiara was talking to, who was all on her friends list. And again, this was because she just loved her daughter and wanted to make sure that everything within her life was okay. She wanted to protect her to the best of her ability, and she just worried about her daughter. And like most teenagers, Tiara felt like her mom was being a little bit overbearing with all of this, and she just wanted more freedom. Tiara and Danielle kind of started having little arguments and disagreements, and so Tiara decided that she wanted to go and live with her grandmother. And this wasn't a big blowout fight where she stormed off mad and said that she was moving out and living with grandma. It was just something more that they kind of agreed upon that Tiara wanted to go live with grandma and Danielle was fine with that. They all, again, were very close, so it wasn't like she wouldn't see Tiara often. 
on top of butting heads with her mom and wanting to partly move out for that reason, her grandma also lived alone and she wanted to go over there to be there for her grandma. She always said that there's no sense in grandma living alone. She shouldn't be alone. And she didn't like that she was living there by herself. And it actually became a joke between the family that the true reason that Tiara wanted to live with her grandmother, Vanessa, was because that she liked grandma's cooking way better than she liked her mom's. I guess that grandma was an incredible cook and mom didn't happen to inherit that gene. So Tiara just really loved going to grandma's house for her cooking. And I just want to reiterate that this living situation wasn't anything bad. Tiara was still very close to her mom and her brother. She saw them all of the time, even though she wasn't living there. She just wanted to live with grandma for a while. In 2014, Tiara graduated high school from Dudley High School. After graduating, she took a year off from school before she decided that she was ready to go back and begin pursuing a college degree in early childhood development. She planned to begin classes in January 2016 after the holiday season. Tiara always had this passion for children. She was great with kids, she loved kids, and she had dreams of becoming a teacher. But more specifically, she wanted to become a teacher that helped children with disabilities. On the morning of January 7th, 2016, Tiara got up early to get herself ready to head over to Guilford Technical College to enroll in classes. She was really looking forward to this trip to the college because not only was she going to be enrolling, but she was also going to be getting her college ID card. And this was just a really exciting moment for her. She was so excited, so eager to begin this brand new chapter of her life. She arrived at the campus around 8 a.m. and she got all of her financial aid paperwork filled out. She got everything she needed to be able to start class within the following weeks. Later that evening around 6 p.m., Tiara went to her mother's house with her 23-year-old boyfriend, Aaron, to just update her mom about all of the things that happened during that day. Her brother Cannon was also there, and Cannon and Aaron went to go play video games while Tiara and her mom Danielle talked all about her signing up for college and all the goals and things that were upcoming for Tiara. Danielle recalls how happy Tiara was. She said that she was all smiles and just filled with excitement and eagerness about the upcoming college classes. And not only that, but Tiara was really proud of herself, which I can relate to. I know that feeling of excitement of finally getting that ball rolling for college and knowing that someday you'll get that college degree and be able to walk across that stage. Danielle was very proud of her daughter for taking that step in life, and she offered to take her daughter shopping the following day for textbooks and other school supplies. After they made plans to go shopping the following day, Tiara helped her mom take down the Christmas tree. Once she was finished up with the tree, Tiara, her boyfriend, and her brother went over to her grandma's house where Tiara was still living to eat dinner with her. They made it over to her house around 8 p.m. to eat Tiara's favorite dinner, which was beef stew. 
According to her mother, Danielle, Tiara didn't have any plans for the remaining of the evening. She was just going to go eat dinner with grandma and just relax for the rest of the night. After eating dinner, Tiara and the guys migrated to the living room where she played on her phone while the guys were just sitting around chilling, watching a basketball game. At 8.30 p.m., Tiara stands up and she tells the guys that she's going to go meet up with a friend named Travis. Her boyfriend, Aaron, wasn't familiar with anyone named Travis, but he doesn't question her at all which from my understanding, they were fairly new in their relationship. They had only been dating for a few months or so, and he didn't want to question Tiara on who this Travis person was. And while I understand his reasoning for not wanting to ask too many questions, I don't think my husband would have not asked a single question at any point in our relationship, even early on. If I had said that I was going to go hang out with some random dude that he didn't know about, I don't think he would have stayed silent. But according to Aaron, that is his biggest regret. He wishes he didn't let her go. He wishes he asked more questions because this would be the last time that anyone would ever see Tiara again. At 8.30 p.m. on the night of January 7th, 2016, 19-year-old Tiara Williams announced to her boyfriend and brother that she was going to go meet up with a guy named Travis. She told them that she wouldn't be gone long and that she would be back within an hour. Tiara, Cannon, and Aaron all left her grandmother's apartment at the same time. They walked out together. Tiara went one direction while Cannon and Aaron walked the other direction towards Aaron's apartment. From my understanding, when they parted ways, the guys didn't see who Tiara was walking towards or where exactly she was headed. So Aaron and Cannon go to Aaron's apartment where they continue to play video games and hang out and was waiting for her to get back within that hour. But when 9.30 rolls around and Tiara hadn't shown back up at his apartment, Aaron decided to go over to Vanessa, Tiara's grandmother's apartment, and wait for her over there. As he waits at Vanessa's apartment, he repeatedly texted Tiara, seeing where she is, asking if she was on her way back, and just checking on her. But all of those text messages would go unanswered. Eventually, he calls it a night and heads back to his own apartment. But come 7 a.m., when Aaron is leaving to head out for an appointment, he still hadn't heard back from Tiara. Several hours later, he decided to call Vanessa and see if she had heard from Tiara. This call completely stunned Vanessa because she was assuming that Tiara had stayed with him that night and was shocked to learn that she never came back the night before. Immediately, Vanessa panicked and started to call Tiara's phone, and she found that it went straight to voicemail. And this was a huge red flag for Vanessa. Tiara was like every other teenager where the phone is literally an extension of their body. 
She always was scrolling her phone. She was always texting with her friends. And there wasn't a time that Tiara didn't have her phone. And if she was leaving for any extended period of time, Tiara was the type of girl to always make sure she grabbed her charger to make sure that wherever she was, that she could charge her phone. When Tiara's phone went to voicemail, Vanessa called her daughter Danielle to see if she had heard from Tiara. Like Vanessa, Danielle knew that this wasn't like Tiara, and so she reached out to Aaron herself to see what was going on. He tells her that after Tiara left, she never replied to his text messages, nor did she ever come back home. Danielle tells him that maybe Tiara is out with friends, maybe she's just having a good time, and she forgot to charge her phone and that she would come back soon. Danielle didn't want to panic because Tiara was 19 years old. She wanted to give her the benefit of the doubt and didn't want to jump to conclusions that something terrible had happened. Tiara's grandma had went into her bedroom to just kind of take a look around to see if she had taken anything with her to indicate whether she was going to be gone for an extended period of time, but everything was still there. There didn't appear to be any clothing missing. She left behind her purse and her wallet with her IDs. She didn't take a cell phone charger, which again is something that Tiara would typically take with her if she was going to be gone for any length of time. When Danielle hears that all of her belongings were left behind, her mind starts racing thinking that something maybe isn't right. Like, this is more than just Tiara getting caught up with friends and not communicating with her family. This has to be something more. And of course, this is completely out of character for Tiara. She was in communication with her family or even her boyfriend at all times. So again, another huge red flag. By 12.30 p.m. on January 8th, and still no word from Tiara, Danielle and Aaron get together to kind of go over all of the information from the night before. She asks him to tell her everything. He tells her that prior to her leaving the house, she was texting someone on the phone, and then she said that she was going to go meet up with a guy named Travis. Danielle wasn't familiar with anyone named Travis, so she asked him, Travis, who? And Aaron said he didn't know. He had just assumed that this Travis guy was a family friend or something because he also didn't recognize the name. Danielle told him that they didn't know anybody by the name of Travis. And Danielle admitted in an interview for the investigation discovery show Disappeared that she found it really odd that Aaron had just let her daughter leave like that. She found it odd that he just let her leave with a male friend when he was her boyfriend. Tiara's grandmother Vanessa also said the same thing. Why would you let her leave at night to go meet with a guy? And as I said earlier, I agree. My husband would have never allowed that no matter how new into our relationship we were. He would have been asking a whole lot of questions. And Aaron said that he had trusted Tiara. He didn't think anything of it, and he believed her when she said that she would be back in an hour. With zero idea of who this Travis person is and not much to go off of, Danielle began trying to find clues for herself. 
Danielle logged into Tiara's Facebook account that Tiara had recently deactivated, which was all done before she had gone missing. Tiara wanted to deactivate her Facebook so that she could focus on her upcoming college classes and just mentally prepare herself and to separate herself from all of those outside distractions. But because Danielle remembered her login information that she required Tiara to give to her, she was able to reactivate it and search through her large friends list for a Travis. And to her surprise, she didn't find a single Travis on her daughter's friends list. There wasn't even anyone with the last name of Travis or a name like Trav or Travi short for Travis. There was nothing. Danielle then began looking through Tiara's messages, and she came across something that was a little bit of a surprise to her. Tiara had been messaging one of her ex-boyfriends. She found that the two of them had been communicating back and forth all week, and that he had even been by to see her a couple of times. Danielle started to wonder if maybe this Travis was a fake name that Tiara had made up to hide who she was really going to meet. As they hit the 24-hour mark since Tiara was last seen, Danielle decided it was finally time that she called the Greensboro Police Department to report her daughter as missing. When officers responded to the Stony Brook apartments and started speaking with Tiara's family, they asked the typical questions. Was there trouble within the family? Did she have a fight with somebody? Was there any reason for her to run away? Tiara's family was adamant that there was nothing going on within the family. Everything was fine. There was no reason for her to run off. She was this typical teenager that always had her phone with her. And the fact that she wasn't in communication with her loved ones, the fact that her phone was dead was completely unlike her. Danielle assured the authorities that there was just no way that her daughter would be running away from home. She told them all about how her daughter had just enrolled in college the day before and all of the things that she had going for her to further prove to them that this wasn't someone who was planning to run away. She had a lot going on for her. The officers and investigators who were assigned to her case came to the conclusion very quickly that this wasn't a runaway. This wasn't just an irresponsible teenage girl. They felt like there was a lot more to this case, and they took it very seriously from the get-go. So as the authorities began to work on things behind the scenes, Tiara's family began canvassing the neighborhood on January 9th. They started questioning anyone and everyone that they came across that lived in the Stony Brook apartments, and they quickly learned that not a single soul had seen Tiara on that night. They also began passing out flyers, hanging up missing persons posters wherever they could, putting them on cars, anything they could to get her face out there, they did it. On January 11th, Danielle met up once more with the authorities, and they began questioning her further about her daughter and what she was up to on the night that she went missing. Danielle tells authorities that she believes that the name Travis was an alias for Tiara's ex-boyfriend. 
Danielle also handed over Facebook Messenger evidence to further back her theory that Tiara had been communicating with this guy and this was who she was probably going to go meet. Because this is an ongoing and active investigation, this ex-boyfriend's name has never publicly been released. Danielle says that her daughter was drawn to him because he had this bad boy demeanor. She also said that when reading their messages on Facebook, she found that it was always this guy messaging TR first, never her messaging him. Danielle said that that was one of her daughter's faults. Tiara always tried to hold on to friendships and relationships with people even when they should be let go and left in the past. And I think a lot of times people keep relationships like this going out of guilt. Maybe she felt sorry for him. Maybe she felt like she could help him or fix him. And that is a lot of what Danielle had said in her interviews about this guy as well. Ultimately, though, her family knew that this was a relationship that wasn't good for Tiara, and they had a hard time understanding why she was continuing with this friendship privately. So the authorities began trying to track down this ex-boyfriend, and it was around this time that they also gained access to her cell phone pings. They were able to determine that at 8.30 p.m., her cell phone pinged in the location of the Stony Brook apartment complex, which this, of course, goes with that timeline that she had walked out of her grandmother's apartment there in the Stony Brook apartment complex. But after that 8.30 ping, there was no further communication from her phone. No calls went out, no text, nothing. The authorities suspect that the phone stayed on until the battery died. And after a few days of attempting to locate Tiara's ex-boyfriend, they were finally able to catch up with him and bring him in for questioning. When the authorities finally caught up with Tiara's ex-boyfriend and brought him in for questioning, he first sat down with investigators and told them that he had not been in contact with Tiara at all which of course they knew was a lie. So they tell him, listen, we know you're lying. We know you've been in contact with Tiara recently over Facebook. And when confronted with this evidence, he changes his story. And he admits that he had been in contact with her. But on top of that contact, he had seen Tiara on the night of January 7th, which was the night that she was last seen. With the information he told detectives and the information and stories that they had gathered from her family and Aaron, they were able to determine that this ex-boyfriend was in fact the last known person to have seen Tiara before she went missing. He tells police that on the night that she went missing, the two were in fact texting back and forth and had met up at 8.30 p.m., He had drove over to the apartment complex, she walked out to his parked car, and the two of them had talked inside the car for about 20 to 30 minutes. He said that after they had talked for some time, she got out of the car and started walking back towards her grandma's apartment building, and he left. After that, he said he had no idea what had happened to her. 
He hands over his cell phone to authorities for them to take a look through, and they did find this text interaction between the two of them that took place up until 8.30 p.m. that night, but they weren't able to find anything else on the phone. They did take his car in to be thoroughly searched for any kind of evidence, and they were hopeful that they would find some sort of hair or blood evidence to indicate that maybe something had happened or taken place inside the car, but they found nothing. With nothing to go off of, the authorities felt that they needed to hit the ground searching once more for clues within the complex as well as outside of it. They found that there was zero surveillance footage from the apartment complex because they didn't have any cameras, which is so frustrating. So there was absolutely no way to even determine if Tiara ever actually got out of the car and walked away like the ex-boyfriend was claiming. After further ground searches and door-to-door interviews, there was nothing that could be found that was connected to Tiara's disappearance. So here the authorities are with nothing to go off of and literally at square one. So they decide to look a little bit further into her life and they found that she had another ex-boyfriend by the name of Trey. The authorities track him down and he is completely cooperating and he answers any and all questions and he tells them that he hadn't seen or had any kind of contact with Tiara for quite some time. Tiara's mom also didn't feel like Trey was involved in any way. She really liked him. She thought that he was a nice guy, a nice, respectable guy. And when she spoke with him after Tiara disappeared, she said that she could tell that he also was very concerned about Tiara and he wanted her to be found too. A full week had gone by and still no Tiara. The authorities and her family turned to the media to help spread awareness, and thankfully the media responded really well to this story, and they picked up her story and they shared it all over the local news. On top of this new media campaign that they were pushing out there, Danielle also turned to social media to help spread awareness. She started the Help Find Tiara Williams Facebook page, and this page now has over 23,000 followers on it. And I, of course, will add the link in the description of this episode so you guys can go and show her family support. But her family also started their own hotline where tips could be called into, and this hotline was ran by her grandfather, Daryl. It didn't take long for the hotline to start generating some really promising tips and leads. A sanitation worker from the town called High Point, which is about 17 miles away from Greensboro, called in to say that he saw a woman that looked like Tiara in the area. Then another call came in from someone else stating that they also saw a woman that looked like it could have been Tiara walking down a road called Textile Drive in Greensboro. Now, her family thought that these two sightings were possibly related, 
both of these callers described a woman who appeared to be disoriented and kind of stumbling around. She also was described wearing similar clothing as well as a dark colored jacket, which Tiara was last known to be wearing. Now, her family has this strong feeling and this strong belief that Tiara is potentially being held against her will. Maybe this person was letting her out to go walk around a little bit, but had kept her drugged and disoriented, and they felt like this sighting could have really been Tiara. Not long after those sightings, they received an anonymous tip that completely scared the crap out of them. The caller said that Tiara's body could likely be found in a tractor trailer lot that was located across the street from the Stony Brook complex. The police, of course, rushed to this area. They brought in cadaver dogs to search this entire lot and found absolutely nothing. On February 8th, the police did another search of this entire area. This included streams and other bodies of water. Now, They did this to their absolute best of their ability, which was pretty hard because most everything was frozen over at this point in the year. But unfortunately, there was a lot of areas that couldn't be thoroughly searched and thoroughly ruled out until the water thawed. Later that month, her family got the devastating news that the ex-boyfriend, Trey, was found dead, and he was found shot to death inside of his apartment. And naturally, they all kind of wondered if this was somehow connected to Tiara's case, but they found absolutely no ties to the two cases, and sadly, Trey was killed during a dispute with his roommate, who was found guilty of second-degree murder. As the weeks and the months went by, her family remained as active on this case as they could be. Her grandfather, who was running that hotline, would go and follow any and all leads. If the lead came during the middle of the night, he would get up and race to wherever it took him. So when they received a tip from a waitress at a Waffle House located in Jessup, Georgia, 400 miles away from where they lived, they were eager to follow up. This waitress was certain that this young woman she had seen several times a week at the Waffle House was Tiara. The waitress said that anytime this young woman would come in, she came in with a group of people. But according to the waitress, it appeared that though this woman was sitting and with this group of people, she never seemed to really truly be a part of it, if that kind of makes any sense. She said that she wouldn't really converse with them. She didn't really seem interested or like she wanted to be there. So they start to think that maybe somehow Tiara was forced to be there. Maybe whoever she was with had been drugging her and forcing her to stay in order to pimp her out or something along those lines. One thing that I will say that her family and even authorities have considered is that maybe Tiara has been forced into sex trafficking or some other kind of human trafficking. And by the sounds of this woman at the Waffle House, it almost sounds like this could have been the case. Maybe whoever took her took her down to Georgia and then they're forcing her to stay. 
Once more, her grandfather, Daryl, followed up on this lead, and he drove down to Jessup, and he sat outside of that Waffle House for days waiting for this group of people to come in. But oddly enough, this group of people never came back to this Waffle House, but the waitress kept telling him that she was certain it was Tiara, and Daryl believed her. So instead of packing up and going home, he decided to try stopping by the hotels and the motels within the area to see if anyone else had seen this group of people that the Waffle House employee described. He also showed pictures of Tiara, and there was one man at one of the motels that said he recognized Tiara and that he had a guy that always stayed at his motel, and this dude always had a bunch of young girls around him, and it was clear to him that he was a pimp. This motel worker told Daryl that he was pretty sure one of the girls he's seen with this alleged pimp was Tiara. Daryl obviously called the police to get them involved, and the local authorities responded to this call. Now, this pimp did get busted, and what the manager of the motel suspected was going on was truly going on. But unfortunately, none of the girls was Tiara. They did say that there was one girl within this group in particular that looked a lot like Tiara, and this is who they assumed that the Waffle House employee got her confused with. And of course, this was a major letdown for the authorities and all of Tiara's family. This had seemed like the most promising lead that they had gotten up until that point, and they were just so hopeful that they were finally just going to be able to find her and bring her back home, but that just wasn't the case. Still, they held on to hope that they would find her, and the tips and the leads continued to come in with various sightings of her in different locations. People had even called in to say that they had seen online ads that looked like her. And because of all these potential in-person sightings and online sightings, the police really started leaning towards that trafficking theory. For months, Daryl would track down any tips and leads that came in. He often found himself in strip clubs and other sketchy areas where sex trafficking was an issue but he was no closer to finding his granddaughter. Come May 2016, the weather in Greensboro was beginning to warm back up, and those frozen over streams and bodies of water began to thaw, so the search resumed for her body, and again, nothing was found. As time went on and nothing to go off of, the family asked the authorities to look into Tiara's boyfriend, Aaron, once more. Maybe something had been missed. Maybe his story wasn't accurate. And Danielle said that Tiara had even confided in her mom that sometimes the relationship with Aaron wasn't really what Tiara had wanted. She said that sometimes she and Aaron didn't always see eye to eye and that they often didn't want the same things. It was also said that Tiara had started to tell close friends and some of her family that she was ready to end the relationship with Aaron. She just didn't know how. And as I mentioned earlier, Tiara often felt bad for people and felt guilty for things that she shouldn't feel guilty about. So her mom really wanted them to give Aaron a second look because you truly just never know. 
This shocked Aaron to learn that the family was asking for him to be looked at again. He felt somewhat hurt and betrayed by this because he was doing everything in his power to help search for Tiara, and he did everything he could in those first initial days. But on the flip side to his hurt and betrayal, he also understood the family's reasoning for wanting to look into him again, and he said that he would have done the same. Aaron said that Tiara going missing has been one of the hardest things that he has ever dealt with, and it has caused him a lot of pain and anguish. And of course, he feels a lot of guilt, I am sure. As I mentioned earlier, he says that not asking more questions and not telling her she couldn't go out at night with a guy is one of his biggest regrets. And I know that Aaron had said that this affected him so much that there was even a time that he considered taking his own life because he was depressed and so angry over this entire situation. Aaron was ultimately ruled out and once more the family and authorities are left back at square one. On June 13th, someone within the family had spotted a woman who they thought was Tiara at the DMV in Greensboro, and this all took place within the parking lot of the DMV. This family member had called out Tiara's name, and it sounds like they approached this person, and the woman said that she didn't know who Tiara was, but that she would pray for her. The family member thought this entire encounter was odd, and they thought that this was in fact Tiara, and that she was maybe confused or pretending not to know who she was. So they called the police and reported it. When the police pulled the surveillance footage, they were able to find the woman on the footage, and they were able to determine that it was not Tiara. As the years had gone by and the tips have slowed, her family has worried that it's because people have forgotten about Tiara. Despite Danielle and the rest of the family fighting for answers, there just isn't anything new. The police are still actively pursuing this case and following up on any and all leads, and I do hope they are keeping tabs on that ex-boyfriend. Tiara's entire family feels that this ex-boyfriend is suspicious, and I do have to agree that it does seem suspicious that she was last with him and he initially tried to lie about it. But with zero evidence out there, that's all we are left to consider. I mean, I could see it being a possibility that someone grabbed her when he drove off and when she was walking back to the apartment, But one thing I am curious about is the ex-boyfriend's phone records. Did he try to communicate with Tiara again after he last saw her? Because if he didn't and he normally communicated with her frequently, that would be something that would seem off. I don't know. There's just so many questions here with very little answers. And at this point, it's truly hard to say one way or another. I mentioned earlier that the authorities think it's a very high possibility that she was taken and being forced into some sort of trafficking or human labor. So please be on the lookout for her. Tiara is described to be a black female. She is 5'5 and weighed 120 pounds. She has brown hair and brown eyes. At the time of her disappearance, she was 19 years old, but if alive today, she would now be 26. 
Tiara was last seen on January 7, 2016 at the Stony Brook apartment complex in Greensboro, North Carolina. She was last seen wearing a pink shirt, a black North Face jacket, dark blue Levi jeans, white Jordan sneakers with blue and green trim, and a royal blue knit cap. Tiara has her ears pierced and her left nostril pierced. She has a nickel-sized burn scar on her right wrist. If you or anyone you know has information on her whereabouts or if you think you may have seen her, you can contact the Greensboro Police Department at 336-373-2222. If you're not already a part of our private Facebook group, make sure you join by searching Crimeaholics Podcast Discussion Group. In there, we share all information and pictures pertaining to the cases that we cover, and we also encourage all of our members to share all things true crime. You can also follow us over on Instagram at crimeaholics.podcast, and if you'd like more true crime content, you can follow me on TikTok at the same username of crimeaholics.podcast. Lastly, if you'd like to follow myself personally and see what I have going on in life, including my crazy dog, you can find me over on Instagram at crimeaholic. Crimeaholics, that is all for this week's Missing Monday. I will be back on Friday with another murder case for you. But until then, as always, be aware and take care.